to MindWell, hosted by Michelle Jones. We are all about connecting with wellness professionals and individuals with unique perspectives about developing wholeness and well-being. This podcast is designed to help you reconnect to your core self and find the resiliency, capability, and strength you already have within. MindWell is sponsored by IntegrateTrauma.com. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneur Center in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And today we have a very special episode of the MindWell series, connecting to wholeness and well-being with host Michelle Jones and our sponsor, IntegrateTrauma.com. But you hear my voice instead. <laughs> and so we're going to flip the roles today a little bit. Michelle and I decided that as we kick off this beautiful series, it would be important for Michelle as the host of MindWell to talk a little bit about what brought her to trauma integration and how she's showing up as an educator, a practitioner, and my teacher as well. So Michelle Jones, welcome to your own show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And it's a little bit nice to sit on this side of the table, I think. It is. It's really, really, I think, a fun experience. And, and, uh, we did do the first segment with our guest, which was phenomenal, with Sarah. Yes. She from Vegas? No, Utah. Remind Utah. Me. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, my gosh. And now she and I have connected a little bit more on Facebook, which I'm just loving. So shout out to Sarah for being our first guest. We just so appreciate you. Uh, so let's start from the very beginning. Uh, tell us a little bit about your professional background prior to arriving of this place where you were like trauma integration. This is my thing. Right. Because isn't it funny how when we are like 18 years old, we think we pick something and that's what it is for the rest of our life. And now I understand that we just keep picking up skills and passions and it all kind of builds on each other to bring us to where we are. So I went to Arizona State University and I studied nursing and I became a pediatric nurse and I loved it. It was so satisfying and energizing and I worked with the best people. And then um, I have a couple of children that have some special needs. And so I ended up stepping out of the workforce, working in hospital work because that's kind of rough as a mom sometimes, those 12 and a half hour shifts. And so I needed to be home more and I was lucky enough to have that opportunity. So I was home with my kids for a while. I became a photographer because it was just a really satisfying way for me to find beauty in my everyday life, which had a lot of the sameness to it as a mother and doing those things. And I was pretty comfortable in that space. Um, Because of some of the special needs of my kids, I had become very educated. I'm kind of one of those people that once something comes up, I'm one very curious too analytical and pretty driven. So I don't really take no for an answer. If I hear that there's something that one of my kids needs or that someone important to me needs, I'm pretty driven to understand it and to become really well informed about it. And so because of those experiences that were handed to me as a mother, I became very well um, informed in just the mental health community in general. As I became more kind of in tune with that, I began to realize more and more people around me had a lot of needs in that area. And there's not as much resource as I wish there were for people in the mental health realm. And I was really looking at it more from a medical perspective too, because I'm a nurse. So I had looked at going back to school actually to be a psychiatric nurse practitioner. 
And I tried doing that a couple times because I thought, number one, there's a need. There's a need for more practitioners who can really provide that resource for families. And two, because it's part of our lived experience, I can do it in a compassionate way, right, to be able to bring that to the table. And every time I kept going to connect to that, life just kept saying that's not the path for you which was so interesting because it seems so logical to me. I'm already a nurse. I already have these resources. I have this desire to connect and help. And so that was kind of where I was sitting when I came upon some of this trauma work. And it's funny because at the time that I connected to this trauma work, I thought that I was connecting only for other people. I thought that I was coming to connect to it so that I could guide and lead other people through their challenges. And I that really resonated for me to be able to show up for other people, really thinking, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. Yeah, I've got this anxiety that's like 10 out of 10 sometimes, but like, I'm fine. I'm functional. And so just teach me what I need to know to help other people. And a really wise guide for me said, you need to do your own work before you can help others do their work. And so that's what brought me really to that moment of realizing that there was like this, that before I could move forward in kind of what I was feeling drawn to, this passion for helping and connecting to others, I needed to give myself what I wanted to give other people first. So that is what brought me to that point. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions and so many uh, relatable things on my heart and my mind. One is thinking of one of my trauma clients um, who is in the wellness industry. She is an equine therapist, and I think she's probably my age in her 50s. And um, similarly, she loves to be of help. She loves animals. She completely saw that this opportunity for people to heal and come to know themselves better through, you know, spending time with horses was phenomenal. And then she had some things showing up in her life, some panic attacks, some anxiety, some situations with her kids and family that she was having difficulty working through with her normal skill set. Someone suggested that she connect with me and see if maybe there were some adaptations or some trauma there, which we'll explain, I'm sure, in a bit. And so we've been working together for a while now. And one of the things she said was, I had no idea the depth of joy, the depth of difficulty. (laughs) It would be for me to really come to peace with myself. And I realize now that I built my career different than what you're saying, but that she built her career so she wouldn't have to do the work. Mm. (laughs) That's, you know, like her story is a little bit different. She, she, if I go help people, and I learn it academically, maybe, and I be of service and value to people, then I, I won't have to go do my, my own work. And, and, now, and now she's doing it. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so much freer and so much a better person all the way around. So um, I, I share that story because it showed up for me slightly different from what you're talking about. And for our listeners, and I, I alluded it to just kind of plunk it there before or when I did the intro, Michelle is my instructor, my guide, my go-to for becoming a trauma integration practitioner, which we hope that many of you listening will come to Michelle and to integrate trauma, hopefully with the same desire that you can help other people. And part of the process was Michelle's process. Now she's passed it on to all of us is making sure that we all do our own work before we go out and help others with this specific modality. Right. Well, and it's interesting because as you were sharing that story about the friend and kind of her perspective that 
that's not something maybe, and it was probably subconscious, that's not something that I want to tackle. So I'm going to focus here and do good and contribute, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. And so, it, so as I look back and thought about where was I in that process, I think for me, it was, I don't think it occurred to me that it could be different than it was for me. In other words, I felt like a lot of the things that I was struggling with, that that was just part of who I was. Mm -hmm. And so I think if I had understood sooner that everything that I was carrying with me was just adaptation, it wasn't actually core to who I am. It was just how I adapted to my situation. Then I think I would have been really motivated a lot sooner to tackle it because as like rigorous and difficult and painful as it was to do that process, I 100% would do it again. And my only wish is that I could have done it sooner. Yes. Because I think, wow, like, and, and like part of it, I just look back with compassion on my younger self and think, wow, I really thought that I was just honestly kind of broken. Like, well, everybody else is kind of like this and I have anxiety, but that's just the way I am. Or I never can feel settled in my body, but that's just the way I am. Right. And so I and so I just kind of felt like, well, this is who I am. This is the best that it is. So let me see what good I can do in the world with me as I sit right now. And what I didn't understand was actually that's not that like those things don't define who I am. They're just part of how I survived what I experienced and that I can bring like relief to that. And now when I step forward to contribute and to be in the world and to connect with people, it's not with those things connected to me anymore, which I love. And all of that is why I love you so much. A truly a brilliant teacher, a brilliant guide, an amazing course creator. Like I I, I know I've shared with you one-on-one, but now of course for our listening audience, Michelle, you are just such a gift in my life and also to so many, right? Mm-hmm. Those we're building this beautiful collective of people who, um, again, similar to what you're saying, have have had traumatic experiences and are coming to heal them, some simply with the intention to heal themselves, make their lives better, whatever you know line of work they're in, and others are coming to heal and then share the work like you and I are sharing it. And none of us could be doing that with, again, this specific training and modality, if it weren't for you <laughs> saying, I'm curious, I'm eager, I, I, I know there's a way to learn and do something, and, and you've just, you've done it and, and masterfully. I, again, I, you have, you and Julie um, have really saved my life the last two years in, in things that I've had to go through and transition to. And I was already a coach before that, but this is amazing to me how quickly we can help people find peace and wholeness within themselves, even within their brokenness. Right. Or within their perceived brokenness, right? Yep. Because it really is just their perception that there's brokenness there. And I love that you shared that. And I will just share you like a little inside into that process of the course creation because I it has been phenomenal for me to see. I mean, I do have some gifts. I've always been curious, like I said, and very just, I mean, smart. I am smart. And so I've been able to put pieces together. But I will tell you that there is something about this work of like leaning in 
too light, leaning into hope and healing, that it just seems to have a momentum once once that comes together for people. And I know that when I would sit down to take all of these concepts and bring them together in a cohesive way, it flowed in a way that was different than other work that I have done. And so I think that there's something really beautiful as we come together and we're seeking for, like, it's almost like the universe is supporting us as we're seeking for that light and to lean into healing and moving forward, like freer from carrying all of these things. Amazing. So I want to go back to the word adaptation that you and I have both used. And maybe it for our listeners, it makes sense first to have you define trauma for us. And then what are you and I saying when we say adaptation? Okay, so trauma can be almost anything. It's anything that causes our brain to... So trauma is when we're in any kind of situation and our brain make, flips a switch and our, and our brain goes into shock. And that happens because what's happening is more than what our brain can cope with in the moment. We haven't pre-planned it. This isn't what we were expecting. And it can be something minor all the way to something catastrophic in our life, right? But in that moment, our brain says, whoa, we're in emergency mode here. And, and, and a switch flips. And we go from being able to think in our analytical frontal lobe, like grown-up mind, and we go into more of our primal mind. As we do that, we're feeling things in our body significantly. We're responding and and our brain is doing this. It's amazing. Our brain does this all as a reflex. Our brain is reflexively responding to help us survive this unthinkable moment. And instantaneously. Instantaneously. We're talking microseconds. This is happening. So this isn't a conscientious choice to sort of name something as trauma. This is the body's reflex saying, overwhelm. This is not what I planned for. Um, we're going into survival mode at this point. And so um, the body has responses and how that memory is then recorded in the body is not like a a normal ordinary day where we might go to the grocery store or do other things. And we kind of have a cognitive memory or experience of that event. When we've been in a traumatic event, yes, we're going to have a cognitive memory of it, but really it's going to be very visceral. We're going to have feelings and sensations in our body and emotions that are connected to it. And because our frontal lobe um, is not totally online during that time, our thoughts may be a little more out of sequence or maybe a little bit more confused. And what happens is because the brain is processing in shock, it's not processing it like it would all of our other memories. So it kind of sits within us not being processed yet until we're able to go back and process it. Now, if we're sitting there with this unprocessed trauma in our body, well, we got to adapt to that somehow, right? Because it's almost like we have a live wire inside of us to a certain extent. And so the body and especially the brain is hardwired to avoid pain. That is like a high priority for the brain. I don't want pain. I'm going to avoid pain. And connecting with that unprocessed memory is painful. And so it, and so until we process it, the main strategy oftentimes is to avoid connecting to it. And so that's where adaptations come in. And those are different for everybody. Maybe it's I'm going to avoid being still. So I'm going to just stay super busy all the time so that I can't ever connect to that. Maybe I'm going to avoid going to certain places or doing certain things. Or maybe I'm going to just incorporate. So it's just all different like behaviors or ways in which now from this point forward, I I just do life a little bit differently because of that experience to avoid connecting to this unprocessed memory that is here within me. And and are these conscious choices or these subconscious choices? I think it's kind of a mix of both. I think initially it's very subconscious. I think our brain 
and our body. And and really, this is like so unique and individual. So we each, you know, Karen, the two of us could experience something simultaneously and we will each respond and adapt to it differently. And right? might one of us have a traumatic experience and the other of us, it may not be traumatic? Absolutely. And part of that is just how the brain is prepared to respond to it. So part of that might be prior life experiences, right? So for instance, if there was a medical situation that emergently came up in the building, that might be less traumatic for me than it would be for somebody else because of my medical background. So that wouldn't feel like um, as much of a traumatic emergency to me as much as it would be something to be alert and responsive to. Mm -hmm. And so my prior experience would make it maybe so that that would not be something that would create shock in my brain so much as it would activate dormant parts of my nursing to come to life and respond in that moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that I, I believe helps people understand trauma in addition to adaptations, you use the word shock as well. Could you speak to that and define that for us as well? So shock is actually like a technical term. It's actually something that happens within our brain. And we we feel that not only in a switch for how our brain is processing in that moment, but it is a, a physical response that we feel within our body. And so there's a series of neurochemicals and hormones and everything that gets released in that moment. But it almost... I just, it, it's almost like it forms an imprint in our body because it's so vivid what our body is recording in that moment. It's almost like our body wants to take everything in in that moment to ensure survival. Because even if logically we can like later look back at the situation and say that wasn't life-threatening, in the moment our brain doesn't, de doesn't decipher between it. So I could literally be hanging off of a cliff or I could be in the middle of I don't know, another situation that has completely taken me by shock but doesn't threaten my life. And my body is still going to respond in a similar way. It's going to completely activate. And I almost think it takes in so much information from a sensory perspective to just take on, because I think what the brain is trying to do is take in as much information as possible in order to make the best response to survive. Mm -hmm. The brain doesn't really care if how you respond in the moment is embarrassing or awkward later, or if it sets you up for success. Literally, the goal in that moment is to physically survive mm -hmm. whatever is happening. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just take in so much information, which is why that unprocessed trauma memory is so intense, because it carries with it all this sensory information and emotion and just all of this activation from within our body. And until we integrate it, that shock can stay and reside in our body and our adaptations can, can continue to inform our life. But neither of those things may be in our highest and best at a certain point. Oh, absolutely. And so when you say integrate, like really what we're doing is we're going back to this unprocessed trauma and we are processing it. So we're getting the opportunity to like look at it and process it after the fact. And once it's processed, it's no longer a live wire. And so it's safe for it to become part of us and part of our whole experience because it's no longer a source of pain. It doesn't change the fact that it's real or how it um, affected our life or um, that at, that in that moment it was very painful, but it's not that activating um high physical sensory pain experience like it had been previously to connect to it. So there's like this tension within us because we're constantly trying to stay away from that unprocessed trauma. And so we're kind of have this tension within. It's a split and it prevents us from just feeling that calm centeredness that I think we're all yearning for. 
yearning for, even if we don't really have the words to describe what it is that we were wishing we could feel. And so once we're no longer trying to like pull and push away from that experience, suddenly there's not that tension there. And we can really like allow it to become part of our whole experience. So you shared a little bit about your journey to this work. Was there a point for you when you realized that you had a split within yourself and and or a yearning? So I think I had reached a point. So I've always had, um, for, for as far back as I remember, I had had some anxiety. And so it had shown up as kind of just like a restless, anxious, worried feeling. And then along the way, how I coped with that was starting to fall apart. Like I was really good. I was like masterfully good at managing how my adaptations were showing up in my life. And I think for me, it had reached a point where all of the things that I had built up and surrounded myself with to cope and to adapt were kind of falling apart. Like things were breaking through. So I was starting to feel more panicky. I was starting to have a lot more symptoms of ADD, which were not medically related. It was just showing up as I was forgetting things all the time. I was um, very easily distracted. Um, I wasn't able to sit and just be still. I mean, I, I literally don't think I could have sat on the couch for five minutes without also multitasking something else at the same time. I could not be still with my own self at that point. And I also was um, had some phobias that had started to develop, anything where I felt like I was going to be trapped. Um, so elevators, airplanes, um, anything of that nature. I mean, for sure, caves. And so it started getting to the point where I was like, I don't know if I want to go on that trip because I'll have to be in an airplane for this long. And to me, I thought I'm way too young. I'm way too young to have this be my limitation for the rest of my life, you know? I mean, and I was in my late 30s at the time and I thought, this is not, this is not where I want my story to end. I don't want my story to end with me continually making my world just a little bit smaller just so that I could feel safe. And it it kind of made me panicky just kind of seeing it and feeling it, feeling that everything that I had learned and everything that I had kind of built up to allow myself to be highly functional, to be very productive, to be a contributor in the world and a and a very functional mother and spouse, like I, I was starting to get nervous that that was eroding and I was no longer going to be able to really be highly functional in those ways anymore. And so for me, that was what made me willing at the same time that I got introduced to this work of being able to process that trauma, that is what made me take the step because it was a very scary step because I thought, okay, I know that this is like kind of working. So there was a lot of fear there. Like, what if I step into this and it literally busts down all of my coping strategies and I don't have those anymore and then I'm just going to be a mess forever, mm-hmm. right? I, I hear that frequently and I felt that myself going through process. Like what, I know I need to go in there, but what if I can't come back out? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think the fear for me was if I connect to this, it's so big. What if it swallows me up? Mm-hmm. What if I step into this fear or this pain and I don't know how to get back out anymore? And that is way worse than sort of fumbling around with adaptations, that uh, fear felt like like that potential outcome like it like like it felt really risky mm-hmm. it felt really risky to step into that space so you're you're studying it 
maybe academically and thinking, oh, this is rich. This is so important for the people I love. <laughs> right. And and then you're starting to have some things happen in your life and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and because you're studying it and starting to share it, I, I think as well. Well, I will tell you the, the actual order that came up is that I met with Wayne, who's a trauma practitioner, and he is the one that told me, yes, you will be gifted at this work and I want to train you how to do this. But before you do this, you need to clear your own stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, these are famous last words. I remember thinking, well, I mean, I'm sure I have like a couple things, but I mean, I'm sure I have like a little bit of trauma, but it'll be quick. Like, sure, I'll do that. So I'm going to step into that and do that because I, I, I can really see how this is something that um, I can feel passionate about and something that will make a difference for people. And that makes sense to me. Like, I'm impeccably honest with myself. So when someone says, you really need to do this for yourself okay. before you can guide someone else, I say, you're right, I do. I need to do that for myself but you're first. But you're, you're jumping into it like, sign me up. I'm ready to do this. Let's sure. roll. Sure. And thinking, you know, I got this. Right. Because early in my life, like before I got married and became a mother, I had this very like kind of lofty thought that I knew that there were some things I had experienced early in my life that I did not want to let ripple into my family that that I was going to create. And so I went to some traditional therapy, which was a big relief. I mean, at the time, it was really important. And so I kind of felt like I've dealt with that. Right. And so I thought, well, I went for a couple of years and I talked through it and I kind of acknowledged it and worked through some grief and worked through some anger and... I mean, that was a long time ago. But I'm good. But I'm good now because, you know, I, did, I mean, yeah, maybe there's like a couple leftover things, but but I'm sure I'm good because, you know, I, I kind of addressed it then. And again, I did not necessarily connect everything that I was feeling and experiencing to my trauma. I thought that that was part of who I was. That's just part of my experience was was, was having this anxiety. And so it didn't really occur to me that those were connected. Until? Until I felt the difference. So basically, I started doing this work. I started doing sessions and connecting to events, to unprocessed experiences that I had had from significant um, physical and sexual assault. And through so doing, walked in my own personal hell for a while. It was truly treacherous to connect to that space. But what I always felt as I came out from session or as I progressed through was that there was a lightning, there was a shifting, there was a change. And so now I sit here today, not having those feelings and experiences. Yes, I still have some anxiety, but I'm also still invested in doing my work, right? To kind of clear loose ends. But my experience now of being able to like sit in my body and the calm centeredness and then and like for me, so it, so it shows up for all of us differently. But for me, the non-reactivity, being able to um, calmly face situations that come and not being reactive and not feeling the need to control things and just an absence of those things was literally revolutionary to me. I didn't know that it was possible to, to feel that way. I'd never experienced it. And so that I, I, I think that's why it didn't occur to me that I had so much work to do because I didn't know that they were connected. So, uh, and, and maybe you've already spoken to all of this, but are there other things that are different now for you 
that you've integrated your trauma responses? I would say the thing that I'm the most grateful for, the way that it's shown up in my life and the way that I'm the most grateful that would make me 100% do it again and again and again if I needed to, is how it has changed my relationships, how it has changed my relationship with my spouse and especially with my children. The way that I mother Mm -hmm. is so different than it was before. I am able to love my children. So I have two children that are young adults and one child that is 12. And the way that I'm able to mother them and to love them is open-hearted, Um, it is without, I mean, it's not a hundred percent without fear because I think that's part of being a mother, but, um, the amount of like fear needing to control, needing to know what the outcome is to protect. Um, I felt very, like a, almost a compulsion to try to keep them in a bubble, to try to keep them safe. And it was, um, really challenging for my relationship with my children, especially as they became older. Um, And so now that I look at how my relationship is with them and honestly with other people around me, but particularly with them, and I see that now I'm able to see them, love them, except that we are actually maybe on two totally different paths in our life and that that's okay. Not only is it okay, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to watch and see how their life unfolds. And I'm so thankful I can do that from a perspective of just love and fun. And I have a front row seat to see how they choose to take their life instead of being almost fearfully driven all the time to want to insulate them from any pain or anything that they would experience. And I would say that's the same in my friendships too. I definitely didn't feel the need to like control or protect friendships, but I think I was always... um, there was a protectiveness maybe to myself or kind of a holding back, um, maybe only presenting parts of myself to people because there were parts of myself that weren't very flattering and that because of how I needed to adapt to my trauma, I didn't like about myself. And so I didn't really show up as a wholehearted, open, vulnerable person to very many people in my life because I was fearful of how that would be interpreted or taken. And now I feel like, really by and large, I can show up as the whole person that I am today. And I know that it's not all flattering, but I also know that I own my experience and that who I am is enough. Who I am and how I'm showing up right now to show up in this conversation, to show up in friendships with people, that it is enough. I am enough. And that I did not believe before. As you're sharing, I'm thinking about your kids and my kids. We have kids about the same age and the same distance there. Again, when when I was recommended to Julie to do my own trauma work, she recommended that my son, my 13-year-old, who's now 14, do it as well, given you know life circumstances and a traumatic event that we had, had to experience. And um, again, the work that I've done, I knew that I was called to heal right away after this event. And I thought, it would be very powerful for Ivan to do it as well. And fortunately, he was willing to do it. And it's interesting because he did a handful of sessions with with Julie and she's, you know, because of his age and his life experiences, he hasn't had um, as many traumatic experiences as some 14-year-olds. But what was fascinating was about six months after he had seen Julie a couple of times, and then it's only been a couple months now, something came up for him as we were driving home from this experience, he says to me, I, and he's a very average kid. He's like, mom, 
I don't want to talk to my counselor about this situation, but I do want you to make an appointment with Julie because I want to go get that taken care of. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh. So I share that story because you mentioned your kids as well. And I'm wondering if our listeners might be curious, is this work appropriate for kids? And if so, at what age and and why? Why is it important for for everybody? Well, I think, you know, every child is different and everybody's ready for that process at different ages. Um, I would say absolutely this work is 100% great for um, especially teenagers. But and so I would say like, you know, this is just my opinion, but in like the under 12 category, it would probably be if there's like specific things um, particularly. One thing that's interesting, I I actually work with a lot of teenagers and young adults. And one of the things that I've noticed is that it's on their time frame, not mine, and not their parents' time frame. And so as much as we may look at a situation and say, oh my gosh, you would benefit from this so much, and I just want this for you, and I understand this, and I can see this, it actually is still their journey. And so even though that seems kind of crazy because their frontal lobes aren't developed and right, they're not kind of there, but but for them to be vulnerable and to connect to that, that it really is on their timeline timeline and their journey. So for each of my kids, I know that they have um, some work that they will want to do at some point, particularly because of all the adaptation that I kind of put them through to a certain extent, but that that will be on their time frame. And I have one child who is like, yes, I am ready for that and is processing and growing through that experience. And I'm supporting that and kind of like super excited about that, honestly. But but I'm not impatient with my other kids because how can I be? I was 38 when I did my work, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so we each will kind of take that step when we're ready for it. But I have seen huge, huge relief for some of my teenagers that I work with who um, are sitting in a place even of having, you know, it seems like a common thread is that these kids often feel like, they're not good enough. They'll never be good enough. Um, so there's a lot of that feeling of brokenness that they have. And even um, it's not unusual for me to encounter people who are having suicidal ideation or feelings that are connected with just this feeling that they can feel it within that there is that separation and that tension. They don't know how to name it. And so maybe a little bit like I was, they just kind of think that that's who they are, is that they're just broken. They don't realize that they can have relief from that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And I think the way that you've kind of invited parents to consider if a kiddo would be ready, it's so important that it's in their time. We can introduce it to them. We can offer it to them. But but they'll know when the time is right, if the time is right. Isn't it like with all things in parenting, though? Yes. Like, <laughs> like as much as we can kind of see the bigger picture and see what would be really helpful in that moment, I think what I have seen be the most helpful is to show up in love and acceptance and whenever possible, non-judgment and to just let it be known that support and resources are available when they want it. That's a great segue to another question that I have for you. What have you come to understand about trauma and the human spirit? Okay, this has been the coolest part. And I get so energized by it that it is part of what, because I think about it, you know, I I teach a rotation of practitioner classes. I'm the lead educator. And so I teach a different group of practitioners about every other month right now. And I, and so sometimes I think, how come this doesn't get kind of like 
old for me, right? Because I'm teaching like the same content, but to like communicate this single concept and to see it come to light, to really understand it, not only for our practitioners, but then for this to spread like a ripple, which is this, all humans are inherently resilient. I fundamentally believe that that's true. I've seen it over and over again, and we all have this inherent resiliency, capability, strength, ability to heal. And that's just inherent within us. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to go take a class in it. Like that's part of who I am. It's part of who you are. It's part of who every single person who will listen to this podcast. It's part, it's just fundamental to who we are. When we experience trauma, oftentimes it's almost like there's a buffer that goes between us and our ability to see that about ourselves or to feel it. But just because we can't see it or connect to it, it doesn't mean it's not there. And so part of what we're able to do is to kind of remove those barriers so that people can connect to their own strength, capability, and resiliency and be able to use that to move forward. So so nobody's relying, as a practitioner, people aren't relying on my capability in order to move forward. They already have it within themselves. And my favorite thing is to connect people to their own strength and resiliency because that right there is like straight up magic. When, 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 when I see the light go on in people's eyes, when they recognize it, because there's that moment, because it, because at first when I introduce this concept, it's, it's like really skeptical. People are really skeptical about it. Well, like I believe that about all the people around me, but like I know me and I don't think that that's true about me, or maybe I can kind of believe it. And so the invitation is, can you believe that it's possible that that's true about you. Mm -hmm. Just open your mind to that possibility and then we build on that. But when they can actually feel that, when that feels true, because there's a difference between what we know in our mind and what we feel in our body. So in my mind, I can be like, logically, I believe you that that's true. But do I really feel that in my body? Does that resonate in my whole being as truth? And when that moment happens for people and they recognize that they are enough and that they inherently fundamentally have these qualities within them. That is something that I have learned because of this process and that I love. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, so much. Right? <laughs> yes. Isn't it just exciting? And that it, it is. That, that is part of what makes me want to do this radio show, what makes me want to teach, what makes me want to help people because yep. what I who I am because I know that about myself is totally different than who I was before. And I was already pretty great. Like, honestly, I was very a, a very functional adult that contributed in the world. But like my experience as a human is fundamentally different now that I understand that about myself. Mm -hmm. And I want that for other people because it's true for everyone. I'm not super special. That's true for everybody. When, when I've heard other people speak about trauma... Uh, you know, trauma-informed workplaces. And I, I mean, fortunately, more and more people are talking about it and, and coming up with ways to help people better understand it, uh, especially in the workplace. What I've heard from some people is, oh, oh this would be helpful for my mm. sister-in-law or my brother. And, and, and you alluded to it, that you had gone through I don't know what terms you use, but you found in your own trauma story and history that you had gone through some major traumatic experiences and, and repeated trauma. Yes. And so I, I think the general layperson would go, well, that makes sense that someone would with major traumatic experiences, especially those that took place in, in childhood, this would be great work for them. 
and we've all experienced Absolutely. <laughs> trauma is relative, right? So even somebody who says it doesn't resonate with me and yet they're struggling in areas of their life and they can't figure out why or they can't, they're not motivated or inspired or, or, or they've gone to traditional therapy or whatever, or they've hired a coach and they're still stuck. It's likely some, there's trauma and shocks to living in their body and they're still being informed about their life through those adaptations, even if it hasn't been repeated trauma or what the general layperson would say was, wow, that's trauma. Can can you speak to that? Yes. And actually, I have a specific example that comes to mind because I think it's interesting. So I'm going to give you an example of a client that I had who when they were in like fourth or fifth grade, they had an experience of, it wasn't quite bullying on the playground, but it was something akin to that. There was an experience that happened that was a moment of shock for them in a way that a friend responded to them. And it informed, like in that moment, not only did it create that unprocessed shock that's kind of live within, but in that moment, not only did they have those physical experiences, but there were some beliefs that were formed in that moment. I, I'm not enough. There's something wrong with me. Um, I don't deserve to have these friends, right? Some of those kind of thoughts that were kind of packaged up in this unprocessed trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's all in our subconscious. We don't really know that. But then how that person is showing up in the world, if if that is a fundamental belief that you have, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy of connection and belonging. There's something fundamentally wrong with me that is going to significantly affect a lot of ways that we respond to opportunities that we're willing to show up for, kind of risks that we're willing to take if we have those fundamental beliefs about ourselves. So going back to those moments of shock is twofold. One, we're going back and we're kind of relieving that live wire piece of the puzzle, right? So we're going in and we're able to process it, understand its place, and really help the brain to understand that this moment is no longer happening. And that's why we don't have to have that intensity with it anymore. The crisis is over. We're no longer in that crisis. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece of the puzzle. But the other piece of the puzzle that's really beautiful is we go back and we kind of look for those thoughts and beliefs that were happening in that moment and we reframe them and we look at them objectively and say, is this true that, that, that that is, that I am not enough, that I'm fundamentally broken. And as we can go back and reframe that and bring understanding, compassion, and love to this younger self in this moment, that then shifts how we can show up in the future. Excellent way to to explain that. And the example you gave was this maybe one or t- one or two time incident for someone who in the fourth or fifth grade, and what I'm hearing you say is even in a one-time incident, it can be catastrophic. It can, it can that shock and can live in their body, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So that supports kind of what I was asking or saying is uh, that this work really is available, open to anybody, especially when you were sharing your own personal journey, you know, uh, the anxiety was was getting higher and you couldn't really place why, why that was happening and you were forgetting things. So so when when in our life we are faced with things that are showing up that aren't, weren't, aren't working like we would like them to, mm-hmm. and we struggle to pivot and move through those easily, we might suggest that there might be some trauma work and an opportunity to heal some things that you may not, that may not even be on your radar. Right. And then, and in my experience, there's often kind of layers to how we show up in the world, right? And that 
if trauma is one of those layers, removing it will just help all the other layers fit into place. It doesn't mean that there's not other things to address in our life, but as long as we have that unprocessed trauma, it just kind of keeps us in the messy middle a little bit. I'm an executive leadership coach and, and have been for years, as you know, and it wasn't until I did the, the work with Julie for myself and then was like, yes, where do I go to learn how to do this? And I was welcomed with that opportunity to do it, that now it's a prerequisite for anybody who hires me as a coach. We start with trauma work and some come willingly and some like, I don't understand it. But after the first session or two, they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I've consistently found that some of the challenges they've had in their life as a leader, whether it's within their family, their community, or the business that they're running, begins to solve itself because there were trauma adaptations, there are triggers uh, that were keeping them stuck. And they didn't see the relation or correlation at all until they did the work. And they're like, Oh, right. Oh, I now understand. And I'm at a place where I, I'm ready to, I, I, I am resilient. I can work through this. And oftentimes yes. the answers were already there for them and they can just step into them and do the work. Because now they're free to connect to all parts of themselves because there's nothing to fear within themselves because they know I guess what I'm saying is sometimes it's it's kind of feels risky to like dive too deep within oneself when you don't know exactly what you're going to find or if or if I think one of the fundamental things that we need to like be be able to step into as we step into this work is to say I am going to believe that I have what it takes to do this work and to come through it and be okay. And you and I know that that's true of people but people need to understand that for themselves. You do have what it takes to make it through. Even high-performing people. I mean, yes. it, and I only mention that because I, here at Business Radio X, I get to see so many brilliant people and interact with them. And the potential that we all have, I believe, can always be nudged a little bit further outside of our comfort zone. Absolutely. <laughs> right? For, and again, we all have it within us. Yeah. I would say most people that interacted with me on a day-to-day basis or even on an ongoing kind of more intimate basis had no idea of the things that I was struggling with behind the scenes. I have been a very functional, high-achieving person. And so that's not something that I wore on my sleeve Mm -hmm. that I was struggling with. And so it, it doesn't need to be my whole life is crashing in on me and I can't function anymore. And, you know, I mean, eventually it may get to that point if we keep pushing ourselves to that extent. But Luckily, it doesn't need to, right? Mm-hmm. While while we are still in a functioning, high-achieving space, we can still have room to step into it with more freedom, more grace for ourselves, more centeredness with and kind of lead from a place of genuine authenticity, which I think is such a just like freeing feeling to be in that space. Have you shared your story before? Only like one-on-one. So when I feel like when I'm working with um, a client or just with my, you know, intimate support group, that is the only place that I have really shared that. I feel like when it feels like it would be helpful, when it feels like what I am sharing could be a lifeline to someone else, I share it freely. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like there were plenty of moments when I felt alone. 
And I don't want anyone else to feel like there's no hope for where they're at. And so I don't hesitate from sharing it when I feel like that is something that would be a relief for someone to know the depth of the journey that I was in and where I am now today, Mm -hmm. because I didn't know for sure if that was possible for myself. Yeah. We are almost out of time, if you can believe it. The hour goes very quickly. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So share with us, for our listeners, uh, you're still doing photography? I do some photography. I find myself very busy doing lots of things. So I tend to mostly do photography for people that I love that know just how to ask me nicely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to learn how to do that. I know, right? Uh, And still, uh, are you uh, an active nurse? Do you have a job as a nurse? I am not. I'm a registered nurse, but I let my license lapse when I was home with my special needs kids. Mm So I still got all the knowledge in my head. And actually, I do help as medical support for my uncle, who is like a dad to me, who has a lot of medically complex things. So I keep my skills sharp in that way, but not as an employed nurse. So you're spending a good majority of your professional day in two different areas. Can you tell us a little bit about that as it relates to Integrate Trauma? So, yes. So I split my time largely professionally between, one, doing trauma education. And that seems to be mostly doing that for people who would like to become integration practitioners, people who would like to understand this process of helping other people to integrate their trauma. And so I teach those classes. It's a series of courses um, that comes with a certification. And we teach those about six times a year, that whole set of courses. And so when those courses are in action, then that is um, a big focus of my time. And then I also have my own coaching practice where I work with clients one-on-one to help guide them through this trauma integration process, um, just like someone helped to guide me through it. Mm -hmm. And it is joy. It is joy to be able to do that with people. It sure is. (laughs) And Julie was my, again, my practitioner uh, and guide, and I'm so grateful. And I think it was my second or third session we got done. And I'm like, so (laughs) this is really resonating with me. And I'm seeing, I could feel the difference as soon as I could release the trauma or the shock. And I'm like, how can I add this to what I'm already doing as a coach? She's like, oh, I was already there the first session with you. <laughs> and, and of course, then she introduced me to you. And, and, uh, and I have since introduced folks. And it's so neat to see, uh, because I think I was one of your first groups that came through. Yes. And to see just, again, how, how many people are not only seeing the benefit for themselves and the people that they love, but also they want to go out and help others like we've done. And, and again, I can't thank you enough for, for making it possible for all of us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it completely. It, it is very, um, it brings me energy and joy to participate in it. It mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, which is part of how you know you're sitting in your passion, I think. And I was just going to ask, do you feel this is your life's work? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I feel like this is something that you know, to be able to take experiences that I thought made me broken and to be able to flip that on its head and make it a source of not only my strength and power, but a way to reach out and contribute in the world. That's pretty satisfying. I enjoy that a lot. Mm -hmm. Where do we stay in touch with you? 
where would you recommend people come to learn about uh, trauma work and the classes or even working with you one-on-one? So for the education piece of what I do, um, integratetrauma.com is a good way to connect with that and just see what it's all about on there. Um, To find me personally, um, jonesharbor.com is my personal website, so you can connect with me there. Or um, on Instagram, Michelle's Muse is where I'm at there, and I do post little thoughts every day. I've seen them. They're fantastic. Love it. Anything else that I haven't thought to ask that would be for the good of the order for our listeners? I feel like we've touched on so many important things. I think the thing that I would just extend is just hope. I think um, no matter where you're sitting, honestly, like literally no matter where you're sitting, there is hope for where you're at. And I guess just to reemphasize that thought that my my um, belief and what I shared about us being fundamentally resilient and strong, it, it, it applies to every person that's listening right now. And not broken. And not broken. That's my greatest takeaway. Clearly, I knew a lot of this information, right? But I always just sit and bask in the way you describe it because it, it helps shift the way that I get to then articulate it as well in my life. But the piece that you shared today about, uh, you know, when when we... When we say we're broken, even when we come to accept it and, and we've integrated in our life, what you share with me today is, well, that's just the way in which we see ourselves through. We're really not broken. Right. <laughs> and so let's bust through that belief as well. It's just a belief. And it's Absolutely. a way in which I've looked myself. Absolutely. Wouldn't that be amazing? Which I'm now like, holy cow. <laughs> right. That is that is only our perception yeah. and how fundamentally just energizing and enlarging it is for us if we can say words like, I am enough mm-hmm. and I am not broken and I am capable and resilient. And we say that and we feel the truth within us. All those things are true. The key is clearing out all the junk in the middle so that we can feel the truth of it. Thank you so much for letting me host your show today. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. It was a delight to be on this side of the table. I enjoyed it. And who, we have somebody next week for Mind Well. Yes, Mandy Edicatus is coming in and I cannot wait for her to be part of our show. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yes, Mandy and I got to go through our training together. Mm -hmm. And and now we've been uh, buddies. We text on occasion and, of course, see each other on social media. And um, again, we have you to thank for that connection. And uh, same thing last week with Sarah, although she's... We didn't go through the training together, but since we're part of this practitioner community... Exactly, exactly. I I know it's the best that we kind of have this community that we're building of like-minded people who want to reach out with this hope and see it literally just ripple out. And uh, for our listeners, it's not just Arizona specific. The training is available and open to anyone anywhere? Absolutely. We, thanks to COVID, I will say, we were able to refine and develop our process. So we are very effectively teaching people virtually, Mm -hmm. literally from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Most sessions, we have someone that is not from Arizona that's learning with us and it works beautifully. Mm. Awesome. Well, to stay in touch with Michelle Jones, you can reach her at jonesharbor.com or integratetrauma.com. Also on Instagram with Michelle Muse. Is that 
Michelle's muse. Michelle's so, muse. So there's an S there yep. after Michelle. Yep. Imagine mm. the apostrophe there, right? Mm. <laughs> I love it. You've been listening to Mind Well, where we connect to wholeness and wellness with host Michelle Jones and our sponsor, IntegrateTrauma.com. We look forward to having you like and follow uh, all the things that Michelle are doing on Instagram, as well as her website. Will you be posting uh, the podcasts on one of or both of your websites as well, or should they just yes. go to? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We also have we will have them on Business Radio X on the landing page, and I believe it's Integrate Trauma. Uh, so you can again uh, just give us a shout out there. And if you like what you've heard today, we encourage you to uh, leave a comment. Uh, in addition to share it, and equally important. Stay connected with Michelle and find more out about all the work that she's doing. Thank you for now. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of MindWell. We are sponsored by Trauma Integration, LLC, a company passionate about helping people understand their trauma response and find wholeness within. You can find out more at www.integratetrauma.com.